Welcome to The Big Deal with Glenn Ferris, episode 52. This is a big one, and this is a big one for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, we get to hear from Dr. Matt Richardson, who is the health director for Denton County Public Health. That will be great considering everyone who has decided that they can't help but go out and get infected with the vid. Is that what we can call it now? The vid? COVID? Can we call it the vid, please? Anyways, everyone got infected. So a bunch of you should be really interested in what he has to say. Stick around for that conversation. It will definitely be helpful. I ask about every conspiracy theory surrounding the COVID-19. We get into all the hard data and how and why certain data points are accurate, others not so much. We talk about everything. No topic is off the table with this guy. He was great. Do not sleep on this episode. The information you get from Matt could save your life. Reason number two, this is a big deal. You might have noticed this is episode 52. For me, that's pretty big because I set out last year to do one of these podcasts a week for at least a year, and I just accomplished my goal. I set the goal, I stuck to it, I made it happen uh, through so many interesting times, through having a a baby, through uh, sickness, through Christmas, New Year's Eve, made it happen. It's a little bit of a mountaintop for me, so... I'm just, just saying I'm proud of myself and I'm going to set another goal, another 52 week goal. I'm going to make it happen every week for the next year because this has been amazing. It's been a wild 52 weeks. I mean, just sitting here reflecting on everything that's happened this year and all the amazing conversations I've been privileged to have with these folks. It's been such a great journey. I'm so excited to be on this road with my listeners, uh, with everybody out there that, that like and subscribe this podcast. I can't wait to look back and see where we're at in another 52 episodes. Hopefully, uh, hopefully less pandemic going around at that time. Uh, if you get some downtime over the weekend, go back and listen from the start. There's something valuable in each and every episode because every week I, I just sit down with somebody and I have a conversation with them. I try to figure out what makes them tick, and there's something there. Every every single episode, there's something valuable. Check out GlennFerrisCommercial.com and at GlennFerris on the social media. I hope everybody is going to get out there and enjoy their July 4th. Of course, don't go to the bars, because I believe they're still closed. Don't jump in a swimming pool with a bunch of people. Stay safe. Stay home, wear your masks, all that stuff. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend, subscribe. This can be found on any of those podcast apps. And I hope you find this conversation interesting and helpful. And I give it up for Dr. Matt Richardson. So, yeah. well, yeah, thanks for coming in. Like, like I was saying, uh, the first, 
kind of go around mid-March, late March. I was like, uh, how can I use the podcast to kind of get good information to people that's timely and, you know, kind of public service announcement type stuff. And it was like every day was uh, seeing you online, given the the briefing. And I was like, yeah, he seems real busy right now. I kind of lay off. You know, this is a this remains a challenge for us. Me as a as a local health official and a leader is managing the leadership functions and the strategy with the management in the logistics right so it's this i think we in public health need to be spokespersons and we need to be uh, messaging and educating yet we're also managing the the crisis and so that's always been a struggle so i appreciate yeah. your i appreciate both a little space to do the work <laughs> and then i appreciate some time to to talk about it yeah so. man thank you so much for coming on and i gotta i gotta thank you for that right now as well just for your time right now but also i mean the calm and professionalism that those came across with really made me feel good about the leadership in our county. So thank you so much for uh, when there were so many unknowns out there and people were really afraid because of the unknown. You were just matter of fact, science, data. This is what we're doing and it was so helpful. So thank you so much for that. That was a big deal. I feel like you're being generous there. I, I really appreciate that. And we, um, this is, as a scientist, as someone who likes information, but someone who also is in public service, I think that's the balance we're always trying to strike. Is yeah. this, we're, we're trying to educate the public and, and tell what we know, but put it in its proper context, scientifically, epidemiologically we do want to talk that that COVID-19 in this instance is much worse than the flu both are important you know and, and talk about why and yeah. yet um, we have to be honest and we have to be transparent and we strive for that and I hope that comes across that's always that's always the goal yeah yeah it really did and I bet a bunch of people woke up March 16th got on Facebook saw the live feed and wondered to themselves what exactly does the Denton County Health Director do and, and there's a lot of kind of not misinformation, but people don't understand that what the city does is different from what the county. Th those are two different entities, right? Sure. Because you were coming into Denton City Council and talking and people, I think, kind of in their heads were like, wait a minute, is this a city employee? Can you kind of give us an overview of what the Denton County Health Director does? Yeah, are you are you ready for the riveting uh, conversation of? I love this stuff, so <laughs> I am ready. I really do. I'm a here we go with. I, I'm a nerd about government, so man. Okay, lay it on. Well, and so are my listeners. So lay it okay, on. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna trust you on that. This is so yeah. rare to have a, a willing uh, participant. Uh, so here's how this works in Texas, uh, obviously home rule state. Um, many times, public health agencies are centralized in other states and and in texas it is different so uh, every county according to the health and safety code and and the texas administrative code every county see i told you this is already yeah. riveting right well, i'm talking about yeah, yeah i'm talking about codes so everybody's already <laughs> hey as long as you don't begin with the magna carta okay <laughs> nope so, no no we we have we fast forwarded just a couple of months just after that months. that's right so yeah. th this idea the home rule the texas constitution all of this yeah. comes about so in local public health um counties can select and so can cities but counties can select to have their own health department whenever they select not to 
um, the state health department is the de facto local. Okay? Right, because of size and budgeting. Sure. And, yeah. So okay. think of the smaller counties that just simply can't constitute a, a full-service health department. Um, cities can also abdicate that to the county, which is essentially what's happened in Denton County. Right. Uh, so cities have sometimes regulatory services. I know the city of Denton, city of Louisville, Flower Mound, yeah. Carrollton. They have regulatory services for food inspection, um, you know, swimming pool inspection, so the code enforcement activities of public health, which are all very important. Uh, but with the larger function of public health, uh, the provision of women, infant, children services, um, we do some primary care at Denton County Public Health. But the epidemiology, the disease investigation efforts every day, there are over 80 diseases in Texas that are required by law to be reported so we we investigate every one of those disease reports see if it's an outbreak we do again now that now it's in vogue and it's a uh, top of mind but this idea of contact tracing you know, this is this is actually centuries old now um, this idea of looking for disease and finding those exposed but we've done that at, since inception that's uh, the first local public health service efforts were uh, with the um, the Marines in the late 1700s in quarantining ships right, yeah. off of the coast, uh, off the East Coast, quarantining because they didn't know what diseases the, the the individuals, the sailors are bringing. So this is, you know, again, centuries old work. Uh, we just happen to be doing it at Denton County. Yeah, it's kind of basic stuff, <laughs> really. It, people it is. Don't that. <laughs> it, it, people people forget, and it's it's everything from tuberculosis and foodborne illnesses. Um, again, we talk about childhood immunizations. Yeah, we we talk about these provisions of things. One of the reasons we do septic system inspections is obviously uh, operating septic systems in rural Denton County is incredibly important. We're trying to stave off disease, right? right That's the. Right. I didn't not, know y'all did that too. We That's do. Interesting. Oh. Um, everything from uh, Medicaid transformation type programs where we've looked at diabetes case management and we've instituted uh, ways to treat people with chronic diabetes with the hopes working with the state to find a best practice and then replicate that for Medicaid providers all over Texas. I mean, mm -hmm. we get paid to do those kinds of things. Uh, it's, hey, again, I, I don't know about your listeners, I find it rewarding and exciting, but I do think, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm in the scientific minority there. But But this is the kind of thing that local public health does. And it's interesting people have said here it is you know july the second our first internal meeting about then it wasn't even COVID 19 it was hubei province in china wuhan city in the hubei province our first internal meeting was somewhere in the second week of january and our first uh county sponsored community conversation was January the 22nd. No kidding. And we, we have what we call the Communicable Disease Response Team, which is fire police, EMS, emergency management, uh, school districts, hospitals, uh, nonprofit agencies all come together and they get a briefing once a quarter from us about the new and different. And we call it CDIRT, but Communicable Disease Response Team, um, CDRT. And and our first CDIRT meeting was January the 22nd about this this issue. And so our our staff has been in response mode since January. And again, here we are 
That's amazing. July second. No, it's no uh, idea. but like your the infrastructure is set up and it's been tracking. Uh, probably the last I'm guessing, but this is also a question. The last big thing you kind of tracked was maybe West Nile virus. Maybe that, that seemed like a big one because it was like mosquito traps and this mosquito and that mosquito and then well, the, these are the people and it, it, right or well, well, much like your life, much like your professional life, your personal life, and we'll all. Uh, start to mark time with events, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I start saying some of these next things, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> but remember, chikungunya, chick V. No, chikungunya. All right, When so, was this? So chikungunya was uh, about two years ago when what? we were two and a half years this? ago talking about the the microencephaly in babies. Um, Zika? It, chikungunya and Zika. Uh, okay, so gotcha. So that's both, Those right? Kind of, so it's, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah so I, I do remember You're right. That. Chikungunya was first. Zika was second. Oh, um, okay. So Zika was the most recent. Chikungunya before that. Um, obviously, we've got the West Nile events. Um, Ebola of 2014. That's right, Ebola. Um, you know, there's a lot of work that happens. We were tracking, at one point in Denton County, we were tracking... Uh, over 180 what we called persons under investigation or, or contacts <laughs> for Ebola and oh, really that was oh that was happening just in 2014 so mm. uh, yeah uh, it, we mark in public health before West Nile then it was H1N1 yeah uh, a pandemic influenza much less virulent than than we originally thought which is wonderful news yeah um, in fact, I was the president of the local health officials association. I was in Amarillo at the time, and I was the president of the the Texas Association of Local Health Officials. And uh, if you remember, with H one N one, President Obama had just been uh, had just been instituted as the president. You know, the in, inaugurated is the word I'm looking for. There you go. Need a th- the source yeah, today. Yeah. Uh, so he had just been inaugurated. He had called. Um, the governor then Rick Perry to say that uh, we had a concern about a novel um, influenza that was in Mexico and then San Diego and Houston. I don't know if you remember how that all started, but there was a case in Houston, a case in San Diego, and then we had this report in Mexico of a thousand sick and a hundred dead. Yeah. So that's just that's the kind of thing that but happens in public health. Yeah, that's all the data you have. That's so all the like, data you have from another country. Based on that data, like, it, this is bad. It's <laughs> like, so, this could be real bad. One out of ten yeah, people. Yeah, the president's yeah. having conversations with the governor. The governor then calls the commissioner of health for Texas, yeah. who then calls me at my desk in Amarillo and says, "By the way, this is you know yeah. this is happening." This so could be the big one. Yeah, and we, we're marking. That was two thousand nine. We mark our professional lives, our personal lives with these milestones before uh, H1N1, then it had been Hurricane Katrina and the public health effects, right? It changed our thinking. And when we talk about public health um, markers and determinants of health, social determinants of health, physical determinants of health, um, geographic determinants of health. So I don't think I was, I wasn't paying attention that closely at 2009. Uh, And you know, my blood pressure was a lot lower. It, as well right it was nice right i don't know if those two are correlated it, but, uh, public health ignorance really was bliss wasn't it <laughs> but so how do you kind of deal with that that fact right there that like all the data you have says it, this is this is really bad and like at what point do you start pulling the levers of all right we're 
we got to do this we got to do this we it, like it there's got to be some sort of decision tree but if the if the data is shoddy which it sounded like it must have been a little shoddy coming out of mexico like one out of ten people are dying from this thing yeah. that's not what it ended up being but you, you can't i don't know how do you make that decision as a as a public sure. health person i think it's multifaceted and and certainly we're not going to profess perfection uh, i think decisions are everyone does their best with the best information they have available um none of us have the benefit of hindsight and, and yeah. that strategy right that visioning i told i've told people several times in um several meetings that my crystal ball is broken so <laughs> whenever i took this job the the crystal ball that came with it is faulty so in light of that we really do make the, the best decisions we can and when you ask and this this has happened a lot recently talking about thresholds you know trigger points thresholds tipping points it's this idea that um the situation and the science is going to dictate this action and, and, I, and i wish that the algorithms were that uh cut and dried I, I wished for precision i think we all wish in public health for that kind of precision instead of that precision what we have is uh, conflicting information we have conflicting variables we have metrics and projections that don't have agreement and so you're right we start to do the best uh, estimation of the next step and i would i would give a couple of examples it makes good sense for us when we think of positivity rates so when a positivity rate that is how many positives and i'm gonna i'm gonna over explain i'm gonna public health explain this whole deal and yeah please do. i don't know that that's helpful some people roll their eyes and some people will uh, want to debate it but so positivity is obviously the percentage of positive cases per 100 or 1000 or whatever whatever your denominator so that percentage of positivity is really important and so the governor and the president uh dr fauci i think uh dr redfield all these all these individuals leaders um, wanted to assign, and we did too, a positivity trigger of whenever you have this many per hundred tests, that's starting to tell you that the transmission is increasing. We need to do uh, these additional things. I think what they found was, well, positivity has some flaws as its own metric. While a good one, it's still not perfect. It depends on the hundred people you test. If I go to the intensive care and test a hundred people with their blood pressure, that's not the same as going to the mall or going to a health club. Like the hundred people set m makes a difference. Yeah, it's the sample. sample it yeah, it well, is the sample. Yeah, it's biostats. Mm -hmm. It's what we've. It's the statistics class you took or slept through in mm -hmm. undergrad, right? Like it's what we all did. So this idea of positivity seemed like a good one, but what we found was every community was testing a different sample frame, right? A different sample size and a different sample type. Yeah. And. And so now that positivity wasn't uniform from L.A. to New York to Boston to Denton right. to Sanger. Right. So maybe that wasn't, and then ours changed. So our sampling frame in March was you had to be symptomatic and you had to meet certain clinical criteria to be tested even. Remember, at the beginning of March, we said yeah. there weren't enough tests. So if you think you have it, but you're healthy, you think you're basically you think you're healthy enough not to go to the hospital? Don't yeah. even get tested. Yeah. Well, that's a very different than today, again, on July the 2nd, this idea of, well, now to be tested, you can be symptomatic, you can be over 60, you can be insured, you can just go get a test if you have insurance and have a provider willing to provide it. Um, 
if you are a contact to a known case, our sampling frame, the funnel is way wider than it was in March. So I mentioned on Tuesday at Commissioner's Court that what you would anticipate would be the wider the funnel, the easier it is to get a test, the fewer positives you should have because you're going to include the worried well. Well, we've found the opposite. As we've made the funnel wider, the positivity rate in Denton County has increased in the last three weeks. Oh, got it. And in fact... That was my next question was like, well, are we increasing testing? And that's, I mean, yeah. that's why we're seeing everybody those says, two things are going up. Yeah, everybody says, well, you, you're going to have more positives because you have more tests. And mm-hmm. that's exactly right. Yeah. Of course, if I do a thousand tests instead of a hundred, I'm going to get more positives. But the rate is increasing. So before... Out of 100 tests, I had two positives, and then it went up to five, and then it went up to seven, then it went up to nine. Got it. Now it's at 11, Mm. and Texas is at 14. Mm. We're going the wrong way, and and everybody says, ah, Matt, it's it's additional tests. No, no, no. The percentage is different, so I'm right. I That's am, a key point. It's I think, a key point. I think people are trying to armchair quarterback yeah. the, the the graphs. People love I'm, to look at the graphs and say, "Oh, it's just this or that." I'm but, twenty. I'm uh, <laughs> twenty two years in in public health, and I never knew there were so many epidemiologists. <laughs> yeah, they, there are a lot of professionals there, out there. <laughs> there have been. It, they're so difficult to find and hire, and yet yeah. there's one on every corner. And so stati- it's good to know. And statisticians, yes, you know, like. We all failed. We all barely got by. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, uh, here's uh, hoping nobody does a public records request on my grades and biostats, oh right? <laughs> well, so explain to me exactly what this is, COVID-19 specifically. Because you mentioned earlier, it's, I don't know if you even said it was like flu, but you said it was worse than flu. That's another yeah. kind of thing that's oh, out yeah. there is, oh, it's, it, it's just a bad flu season. Well, Explain to me exactly what it is, and, and I guess kind of how I don't know even know if that's a, a good thing to do. Compare it to the flu, but like what what is the? It, I mean, we're all walking around with masks. This isn't like anything we've done before, right? Right. Yeah. There's a reason too. Sure. Yeah. There's several things. So Corona. Again, I'm I'm having a hard time imagining somebody on the other side of this podcast. My listeners are nerds. It, so it, here's oh my goodness. They, on me. They've taken a Benadryl and they're trying to nod themselves to sleep with Matt talking. That could um, be so, most of it. Yeah. So <laughs> Matt's going to do more of that now. So coronavirus is a class of of viruses that can cause the common cold, and so this is the seventh one that's been discovered that affects humans. So this is a coronavirus number seven, and it is very similar to the coronavirus that uh, caused SARS. You may remember SARS. That's another milestone of a career. Right. That's why they call it SARS-2 sometimes. SARS-V2 2019. Yeah. yeah okay. COVID-2. And so, you know, it, SARS was um, the acute respiratory syndrome. So it, it's this, again, this idea of a syndrome caused by a virus. They didn't really know Whenever SARS was happening and first discovered, they didn't they didn't know the mechanics of the viral infection of why SARS was so bad. So severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS. Oh, okay. um, and so th- this coronavirus is version two. Um, it, you may recall that SARS was particularly deadly, especially in healthcare situations. Much like Ebola, it was highly virulent which kept it from being a pandemic. Basically, it made people very ill, and it killed several people, but its severity uh, prevented it 
from being a global infection. I've right, always people died real quick from it. That's right. You know, it you burns out. It, yeah, you got it, and you were. It burns out. Yeah. And again, not to be flippant, but if if Ebola became less virulent, it would be far more dangerous, yeah, right? Yeah. Because then you can get on airplanes and you can travel. And if if um, coronavirus, if it gets a little less virulent. It's easier to pass, right? So that's that's a yeah. common concern is when you think about viral mutations and molecular biology and all these things. If, if the virus gets less virulent but still much worse than many common diseases, that's when people can get it and travel in, mm. uh, you know, that's that's the biggest concern. And so as we see, back to coronavirus, um, it is it is similar to the cold but much more deadly. And we talk about the flu. I did mention that previously. The CDC, I, I, I looked up this before court on Tuesday yet again. The CDC's estimates are 0.01% fatality rate. So 0.01. It, the flu doesn't kill all that many people, but a whole bunch of people get it. So they estimated 35 million infections in the U.S. Well, For that's flu. essentially one in 10, okay. right? Okay. So one in 10 people had the flu. Um, and 24,000 people died-ish. Mm-hmm. 24 to 60 was their estimate. If we called it 43,000 as an average. So this, you know, 35 million people get it. Um, and in, and in 43,000 deaths, not minimizing a flu death, a death of a communicable or infectious disease is always a big deal because we like to believe those are preventable. Yeah. However, when so you compare... So that was for the year, 40... That was, that's 43,000 on oh, average okay. for this last flu season. Gotcha. 35 million infections, 43,000 dead. Gotcha. Um, currently, I don't know what today is. I think probably close to 132, 133,000 dead of coronavirus. Yeah, this year. COVID-19. And we're halfway this through This year. year. And um, I think the, the largest estimate of infection I could find was 12 million. So a third as many infections and over, what, four times, three and a half, four times Mm. the deaths with a third. Anyway, in Denton County alone, 1.5% of people who have gotten COVID-19 that I'm aware of because of a positive test, of Mm. all of the positive tests, uh, 1.5% have died. Mm. That's a, think about what disease you want where right off the bat, 1.5% 1.5% yeah. of those individuals are going to pass. And then compare that with 0.01 yeah. for the flu. Like this is a... This is different. This is dramatically different. Hence the mask. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the way, I, the way I tell people like, look at your, like add up your Facebook friends, take That's 1% right. of them and imagine they die tomorrow. Are, That's you, right. are you cool with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably I, not. <laughs> I think on LinkedIn, I'm very much not very popular. I might have eight or 900 <laughs> linkages on LinkedIn. Yeah. You know. But imagine. 1%. I mean, if, yeah. If 1% of those I mean, were eight just or, gone. Yeah. Eight or 10 people that I know and have a business relationship or a coins. You know, that's a, that's well, a really big number. Well, that kind of crushes that uh, Facebook thread. I mean, so where <laughs> do you think that, that comes from? People, because that is something that I still hear in passing today. And I'm like. Not to be that guy, but I don't think that's correct. Where, like, where does it just come from? Maybe, and, and you probably see this. People really can only process what they see right in front of them. Like, well, if people aren't around me sick. People aren't dying. Like, ah, oh, it's all, you know, it's a big nothing. But it's like, no, the, that's why we have science and data. 
and enlightenment, you know, like now, now Glenn, here you are. On a, what this is, what's today is today with Thursday. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to bring in the common sense. I, I, I wish I could, I wish I could explain or even justify, rationalize how this is a different podcast. I'll be listening to who you have on for this next one, but it's, uh, how do you take opinion and in, in stats, there's even a theory behind this confirmation bias, right? Oh, yeah, so yeah. you take your uh-huh. opinion and then you try to find facts that prove your point instead of yeah. forming a hypothesis, testing it, seeing if it holds up. But no, it's this confirmation bias. Even with conspiracy theories, when someone rejects a conspiracy theory, conspiracy theorists view that as confirmation. Right. Right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a strange... Whether yeah. it's about uh, the virus and its severity with the flu, whether it's about masks, whether it's about um, the way it's transmitted, if you want to debate the types of tests or their validity, everyone seems to have cho- stopped me. If you've heard this before on any topic, they seem to have chosen a side. Yeah. And now it is pulling information that seems to confirm your assertion. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be honest. I'm, now, here, here's going to be pulling back the curtain. Yeah, I don't know how to fight that in 2019, <laughs> right? I got 2020, I don't in July. How do you how do you present information that that people will take at face value yeah. and and believe that your staff members, your educated, experienced professionals have researched and then reported? How do you take that information and and try to take away um these artificial perspectives i guess yeah. and how to, how can you how can you objectively assess it and i'm asking you on your own on your own podcast how, how do we how can i take science and the best the best information that we have and present it in such a way um to prevent some of the interpretative interpretation that can be harmful i, I i've yeah. yet to find the answer to that well you were listing things uh to give the example on confirmation bias, I thought you were going to say UFOs because I really want UFOs to exist. I They're really, cool, right? really do. It's just cool. And so I take all the information <laughs> that confirms that what I really sure. want to exist. Gun sight like, video that's from the Navy. Oh yeah. That stuff is great. I'm so glad that came out yeah, yeah. and it's not even news because nobody cares. Nobody cares because everything else, but like I think, and that's kind of part of what I think needs to happen is it's kind of like we invented this internet thing and we're not wired to process that amount of information. And there's so much information out there that confirmation bias is such a big thing. People just want to find the facts and the, the, the posts and the other people and everything that just back up how they feel and how they just know the world works and everything. I mean, I think it's a, it's like an internet literacy or we just need to cull the herd as far as people surviving this thing. Like the people who survive are the ones who like, yeah. who, you know, it's kind of like maybe there's some genetics that need to be like cut out of the, 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 the human pipeline to, there is to such get a, through this. I don't know. It's such a strange, it's a weird time, but it's I blame, a, the internet has got to be the gasoline on the fire here. It, that, it is part of know? the issue. And I think the, are we disciplined learners? You know, do we, do we look for information? Can we detect bias early in the presentation so that we can offer it its proper perspective? And, you know, I think that's, yeah. I think I'm, 
and again, I say as a scientist, but I hope just as a consumer that I'm looking, for, I'm about to use this word, and it, it, why is this word even controversial? Truth. But it's this look for scientific objective information. Yeah. But we're in a post-truth society. It's a, it, this, which, which is weird because we got through enlightenment. We did enlightenment. We already did that. We did like, <clears throat> scientific method for a reason right like you would think we descartes we, you got, would think. we got through it all Hume. <laughs> pythagoras like yeah, what, pythagoras. what in the world i mean you know yeah. New, newtonian physics what in the world we yeah. haven't we done this uh, yeah but fix it glenn i, I don't fix know fix it you know I, I i think it starts with uh <laughs> education you know my, my wife is a she teaches texas history over here at calhoun and part of one of their teaks i think is what they call it here in texas oh yeah one of their teaks is um being citizenship and what it is to be a citizen and i think they're going to start adding and i think they have actually like what does this article want you to think what is this article like yeah. they read and compare and like what's the bias here what's the balance sure. is this showing both sides but yeah truth if you would think that the more information people are presented with the closer you're getting to truth but it's almost like the opposite is happening again know? i'm we're I, getting philosophical well it, we are here. and then it's it, it's sad that philo this kind of philosophy has to take place in a discussion of a global infection and yet i struggle every day with presenting the information in such a way not to offend which who knew that a statistic would be offensive right mm -hmm. Who knew that whether it's a recommendation on a public health intervention, but who knew yeah. that that was going to be a political declaration? And so I just refuse. You know, yeah. I, I tell people um, public health is Switzerland. We're neutral. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a common, I'll even say this one, but uh, in Amarillo, I, during H1N1, there were some Facebook comments and my staff actually framed it. And they said, well, uh, you know, Matt Richardson's just in the pocket of big pharma, <laughs> you know, because I was pushing a vaccine. I'm like, well, no, we're actually trying to save some lives. But it, it's these accusations of an affiliation or a financial gain in public service that honestly, uh, we're petrified that this is chasing away talented, professional, dedicated individuals from a discipline that has become political and has no business in um being seen as a partisan effort and so that is a that's a challenge for us the idea of where we get people willing i'm sure it's what law enforcement is struggling with right now oh, yeah, um it's yeah. it's what so many disciplines are struggling with professional uh situations and environments how do you how do you get these people who didn't want a political position or a partisan function how do you get them to serve publicly um yeah it's a and it's it, a it's a concern yeah and at the county level uh, you know the the commissioners i'm familiar with they do streets and roads and bridges you bet. and i'm like what so what's the what's the right or left sure uh issue on should we build this road it's just you know if if, if the data is there we should build yeah. it and find the money and get it done and you know that that's why i like city politics quite a bit because whether we should fix that side work or not, there's no right or left side. Sure. There's in this at the city level, it's specifically nonpartisan. People don't run with parties. There's no party affiliation at that level, and that's why I like it because yeah, there's no public service. It's, it's us. It, like we're all kind of in this together. It's our city. Yeah. We got to do the best with it, and I think that's kind of how you get out of it. It's harder. It's a longer 
game but to unite people and maybe there's a way to do that county-wide is and county is that you know that denton county especially it's one of the fastest growing counties on the planet probably i don't know if that's no a question. fact i'm yeah. just saying it but no, th- but we are blowing up right now we yeah. got to be expansion is amazing and i think yeah. you know when we talk about public health and public health infrastructure um our residents deserve it uh our families friends and neighbors we need a strong public health system and we also need to be viewed as neutral parties we need that neutrality we need the trust and i think basically performance breeds trust um transparency breeds trust and we really strive for that and that and luckily my bosses the commissioners um they don't just allow for that they encourage it as well and so regardless of what color or side of an aisle you're on i will say that the the county commissioners allow public health to be successful and they don't drive a public health decision based on um, political wins and so that that helps me do my job and if it changes and i think you've seen that change all across the nation when it changes usually public health people can't thrive in that you know mm-hmm. it's just you've probably seen articles where public health directors across the country have chosen to either been fired or resigned because this is uh it can be contentious in a way that scientists don't uh we're just not trained for yeah. right you know yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. it's it's yeah it's it, not their job yeah, yeah it's just not the, and and luckily we don't have that here and that's why i'm hopeful that we can continue to be successful and i think the staff i think our staff i think the public for the most part i think the public views us as um dispassionate purveyors of the the facts yeah and, and that's that's what we're trying to do is yeah is really talk about what's happening, how to protect yourself and your family members. I've got family, you know, this is this is personal for me as well. And and so I have a vested interest in the people I love and care about. I'm trying to give the best advice to them as I am strangers. Yeah. And and that should be okay. We should expect that, right? Yeah. 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 And to I think the way another way that you kind of get out of it is make do something and do the work that makes the community proud. And to kind of follow your metaphor with the police right now, Frank Dixon, uh, chief of police city mm-hmm. then has been doing a bang up job. Sure. And is just, and I, just so great. And it's, we kind of got through this in a tough environment, tough environment. We got through, you know, I think they estimated like 7,000 people protesting that one Monday downtown. And I live downtown across on the courthouse and people were, calling us telling us to leave and we got to get out of there and i'm like it's okay i'm talking with denton pd and so far so good you know we we plan for the worst hope for the best and we're good to go we're fine and look weeks later you're fine we're yeah we're we're fine but i mean frank has done a job that people are proud of i mean on, on whatever side you come to the table on he's He's doing his job, and he's right in the middle of it. He's not hiding. It's important. Yeah, it's real important. And I'm to, certainly not saying that we're we're in that same situation. I would just, it, yeah, the metaphor exists where uh, there's still a job to be done, and people assume maybe, again, they assume some motivations that may or may not be accurate. And I think that's that's hard for anybody, but I think in public health, we, do, we may not have expected that, you know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's new for us a bit. So we talked about the data a little bit, uh, and I was circling up with a couple of folks, uh, telling them I was going to have you on, and 
you know, my head's not in it a hundred percent of the time. So I asked them, what are some of the things you would want to hear from, from, from that? And they pointed out a couple of things that I'd kind of seen in the data that I was wondering about, but, oh, those are good questions. Let's hear them. So here, fastballs. Here, here, here are the fastballs. Uh, the death count kind of seems like it's stalled out right now. I think we're, Denton County's at sure. 37. Is that going to change once, because it's kind of, there's a little bit of a lag time on infection and, and, and fatalities. Sure. Uh, kind of explain that to us. I have, I have two examples. Uh, a lot of times, many people want to view, and, and I think, it, again, it's it's one of the variables. It's not perfect, but it is one of the variables, is how many people are succumbing to the to the infection, and it's important. Um, again, I already gave the example of flu versus COVID-19. Those are the facts that, as we have them. So we think it's many, many, many times more deadly than the flu. Uh, now, when we talk about Denton County, so 37 fatalities out of uh, today, I'm not sure what our number will be. Um, we usually that gets put out at four o'clock. So, uh, but we're going to have more more positive cases today. I, the deaths are challenging because we found out about one death because we knew that person had been ill with COVID-19. It was a positive, and we called the phone number that we had to check on a recovery. So we also try to track recoveries. And when we talked to that community member, they said, well, that, that person passed. We hadn't gotten that medical examiner's report. There was no autopsy in that example. Um, it was someone who passed at home, but they didn't recover from COVID-19. We subsequently got the medical records, but that's a good example of we didn't even know of that death because the system hadn't processed the paperwork yet. Um, but that was, you know, we as soon as we found out about that case, that was the same day, um, there had been cases where someone was ill in mid-March and passed in May. So the, the, is that a March death? Is it a May death? Uh, you, you see the... Right. Did the, they get hit by a bus? So here, That's the other thing. Here's like, another... I did yeah. give this example in court on Tuesday that um, you can... You can die with COVID-19 and not of it. A good example of that is same thing, car wreck, trauma, where you test positive and maybe even post-mortem. Isn't this, this is graphic and uh, dark, yeah. isn't it? Right? No, this so, is great. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so <laughs> right when, UFOs right is, and, right and these people car trauma. Falling this off is, to sleep. That's <laughs> right. Let's talk about car wrecks. My goodness. So, uh, but yes, you can, you can test positive, but you were in a car wreck. Somebody ran a red light. Yeah, COVID nineteen didn't kill you. That was blunt force trauma, right? That's that's physics back to force equals mass times acceleration. But that's that's the struggle. Is in public health, we report the deaths that can be attributed clinically, okay, to COVID nineteen. Because that's so, another rumor that's kind of going around is is that that there there's incentive <laughs> to count as many of these as possible. Yes, right, we're gonna and I found the numbers. I finally found the genesis of that. I've been hearing that for three weeks and I couldn't figure out where the rhetoric on incentivizing additional <laughs> cases or additional deaths, like counting. Yeah, yeah. I finally, and this is my assumption, so I'm gonna, so uh, it, this, is, this is the best I can come up with. The CARES Act that was passed does allow provisions for COVID-19 response. Think back to New York. Mm -hmm. So in New York, you have all of these nurses and physicians. Uh, the halls are filling up with patients and honestly, fatalities. It, and so what, what they were doing, they were hiring staff members from other hospitals, other parts of the state, other parts of the nation, people from Texas, people that you know, 
may have traveled to New York to work, and they were paid for it. Yeah. Well, the CARES Act allowed for the reimbursement of additional contract staff to hospital systems and individual hospitals. And so it's basically a, uh, a disaster declaration. So just like when the president does a disaster declaration, that allows those funds. It, people, people don't miss the purpose of a disaster declaration. It is really just a checkbook. Yeah. So whenever FEMA, the president, uh, the governor, the county judge, the mayor, when they de- declare disasters, it's not them stating the obvious. It's not Captain Obvious. It is actually them, uh, along with the county commissioners or the city council members or the legislature or the federal government, it's them publicly acknowledging and requesting the federal dollars from emergency management to assist in the disaster. Think about tornadoes. and If they say it's a disaster area or, you know, we've declared a disaster for XYZ, that's the checkbook that allows the reimbursement. Well, part of that was for COVID-19, the disaster, the public health declaration happened at the federal level, happened at the state level, happened at the county level, the city level. These declarations allowed these governmental agencies to recoup the loss for the response. And I think that's where the accusation came for incentivizing. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is, think about what, that means for us, I only count cases that I have a positive laboratory test. And then we interview, my epidemiologists interview those individuals um, for a death. We have the medical examiner's records. We have the medical records. Fraud is very, very difficult. And we're not going to get paid anymore at Denton County Public Health. We, we get paid zero more dollars for more cases. Yeah. So... So who's this is, the fix is in? It, who's, who's right? It's the yeah. craziest. So I think we yeah. all would want if our local hospitals get overrun, we want them to be able to go hire ICU nurses. Get more right? people in here. Yeah, we want that because mm. your our, our wives are still going to have babies. Our parents are still going to have heart attacks and yeah. strokes. I'm still going to have a broken bone, or on and on and on. I need the infrastructure to respond. There was there were dollars set aside for infrastructure for COVID-19 response. But that's very different than saying Dr. Smith or Dr. Jones. I love Dr. Jones. She's a great person, but she's inflating the numbers so she can get paid. That's, yeah. That just, that, the, the money didn't work like that. Yeah. And as far as the Denton County numbers that are coming out, there's, I mean, you're telling me right now, you've got to have a, you've got to know they died from this to count it. As that's a, right. As a death. We require gotcha. the progression of disease and a medical record review. And that doesn't just happen with any, just anybody out the street. That's our chief epidemiologist. That's our health authority and medical director, board certified in internal medicine, and he's yeah. got a PhD in molecular biology. I mean, you know, these yeah. are people that know they know what they're yeah. doing, and they're they're not handing you a hundred dollar bill every, every right. Day. I can't. I just and I <laughs> ask wild. about the incentivization these <laughs> these numbers and what's the motive? Why would we? Why would a hospital want to be known for more cases? Yeah. They want the opposite. They want you to get your hip replaced. They want you to have your brain surgery. They want you to, you know, yeah. hospitals want the opposite of being known as the COVID-19 hospital, right? That's true. Yeah. So yeah. there is no incentive for them that way. So you were talking about uh, having babies during this. We had a kid uh, five weeks ago. Congratulations. So it's awesome. It's so great. But that going into that situation, we were like, do, are we going to be worrisome? Like, at home in the bathtub yeah. making this happen or whatever. Yeah, like, right, right, right. Like, who knows what's going to happen. Dad was super excited about that. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, amen. No. I got YouTube. And <laughs> I can figure this no. out. No, Boil no, no. some water. Get some clean towels. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's a little house in a prayer. Like in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, Tony's or Dr. Assis was like, no, like there's a set amount of medical stuff that will continue no matter what. Sure. It like. And we it, want that to continue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, we that, want that to continue. That we, you will be fine. I actually, we enjoyed it because. There were no visitors. No one could just drop in. Uh, it was just me and Alyssa doing doing our thing. It was awesome. It yeah. was great. Great experience. Sure. So, You're recommending a pandemic and birth. Yeah, and I am okay. actually okay. like definitely right. have your kids during pandemic. Now we're just, we're marking the time and the date, and like, like no one could like there wasn't a bunch of family coming. <laughs> in. It was great. It was awesome. And all of our family that did want to meet the, the sure. newborn was like, we're quarantining, yeah. we're doing this, we're doing all this stuff. So it was, it was great. It was actually really, parents. That is, that is yeah. kind of the ideal, right? No crowd. Yeah. It was awesome. I totally enjoyed Look it. Look at you. You found the silver lining. I've been looking for it. And there it was. So, there are a lot of silver linings. I'll tell you what, <laughs> that's one of them. Have a kid. Um, couldn't have planned it better. Yeah. And also, well done. It's going to be so much fun to explain to little Dylan. Oh my goodness. Hey, hey it, bro. It wasn't like this before you got here. Like you just, <laughs> you showed up in the middle of something crazy and you I got to I got to explain to you. So that'll be a lot of fun. Those Lots be, of family discussions, right? It'll be great conversations to have. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I'm glad we put that to, I'm glad we're putting some of these things you see out there. You to think rest. we are? You I think, think we are. are. I've been I doing think... this for a minute and I don't know, but I hope so. That sounds great. I've got, I've got some, I'm being hopeful. Um, okay. So here's, here's another question from the peanut gallery. Do we know how many tests are being made daily right now? Do, does that get reported to you guys? Remember my, this is, I feel like, uh, almost, yeah, it's a spotlight. It's an interrogation. No, it here. Here's the thing. It's back to the variable discussion. This is a good metric, but it's not perfect. What we have, um, people are not required. Providers are not required to tell me when they run a test. Now, the governor required all of the laboratories in Texas, or even national laboratories, but if they ran it on a Texan, that that be reported to the governor's office through the state health department. Not the county. Not the county. So I actually get... All of the tests oh. run. I get a I get a data dump usually on the weekend. Okay, um, we get a total number of tests reported to us by the state health department, and so I get a week number, and that's how we record positivity. So got it. That's my need, denominator. Because you got to have that number to go. know how many. Got it. There you go. Now, if you ask me. How do I know that those tests were exactly the numbers of tests run to the week? I don't because I don't collect that data. Got that it. data is secondary to me. But people are required. They are, by law. By law. By gov- okay. executive order by the okay. governor. Got it. So he is supposed to get a total number of tests, positive and negatives. We mm-hmm. get the positives by law. Okay. And then I just do the, we do the mathematics. Got it. Okay. Uh, but I don't know how many per day. Gotcha. Okay. Well, here's a follow-up question. Do we know how many tests we need to be at per day to, to know, to, to have an idea of where we're at as far as trace tracing infection and what, what do we need to shut down? What do we need to open up? So here's, here's scientific perfection. Are you ready? Awesome. Scientific perfection would say, 
Um, the way to do this, the way to, I have the answer. Test Believe it or not. Daily? That, no so way. The, the, the best answer is test yeah. 335 million Americans today. How many people are there? That's how many. Three, that, that's right. <laughs> test all 335 million. And then the sick ones put in, cor- or put in isolation. Yeah. The people that have been exposed to the sick, put them for 14 days quarantine. Yeah. And we will stamp out the infection within three weeks. Like I know the answer. Since we're not going to be able to do that. Why can't we do that, Matt? I, it's just insane. <laughs> It's just your tax. Send, it's your tax dollar at work. Right? Send the send the sick people to Disneyland. It should be fine. It should be fine. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in lieu of that, uh, it is a testing based on symptoms, based on exposure, based on availability, and then the labs are going to struggle. So labs, it, you just oh, think yeah, if you, just I mean, capacity just, of a lab. I mean, if to, you're a, if yeah. you're a businessman or woman, you have a business and you have a niche, and then all of a sudden. People want that, and now they want it times 100. Now they want it times 10,000. Yeah, well, do you go buy equipment? Do you hire people? Mm. So these laboratories who run your blood tests, right, when you go get your physical, they're now asked to run COVID-19 tests. Well, it's fine when there's 5, 10, 50, 500. Yeah. When there's 5,000 in 96 hours. Around the clock. Yeah. You don't have the equipment. You don't have the people. So this is the this is the struggle, and people are so critical. It's is I think we all are about testing capacity. And yet imagine how we can meet the demand. Um, it's a real struggle. So then what do you do? You, you now try to um, test those most likely to test positive so you can provide a public health intervention. People who have been exposed, people who are symptomatic, people who are contacts to a known case, mm-hmm. or people who are older, more vulnerable, because those are the people at risk and, and, they have a higher priority because the 20 year olds, what we do know is 20 year olds are hospitalized very, very infrequently. Mm. Um, if you are over the age of 80 in Denton County, you have a one in three chance of succumbing if infected. So that's, yeah, those are the waste. differences, right? That's a waste of youth right there. <laughs> Just kidding. You don't have to yeah, again, respond you, to that. <laughs> you, you said it, not me. I'm saying that it's the bar out my window that I'm angry about right now. No, man, that that is fascinating. So you're saying, okay, so here's my big, I got one more data question, but, (laughs) but I got to follow this up. If you're saying we can't do the amount of testing to wrap our brains around what's happening, then what should the plan be? What, what's the plan? What do we do? Like we're, we're back to these epidemiological conversations and, and they're scientific, but they're frustrating. So be ready to be frustrated, all of you listening at home. Uh, again, before bed, be ready to be frustrated before you close your eyes. But here's, here's the frustration. Um, when we talk about flattening the curve, and I'm not going to get into geometry or algebra, but, but somebody smarter than me can, and that is that the idea, the flattening the curve is the number of people ill at one time. That's what we're trying to manage because right now we've got to get to herd immunity. There are two known ways to get to an immune group of individuals. You either get the disease and survive or you get a vaccine and your immune system is primed against that pathogen. Okay, but those are my options. Do we know that is viable on this one? Because I heard some of the antibody studies were inconclusive about if you get it, you you won't get it again. So. We don't we don't have great information. Can you get COVID nineteen again if you have antibodies for COVID nineteen? Part yeah. of the concern is our antibody tests specifically for COVID nineteen are not perfect. Okay. So 
We don't know if you have antibodies. We assume in some instances that that's antibodies to COVID-19 specifically and not the common cold. Mm -hmm. But we don't know if your antibodies to the common cold would protect you from COVID-19. And if we can't tell the difference, that test doesn't have a lot of utility. Gotcha. Right? gotcha. So, um, oh, there's antibody talk. See, this is it's riveting, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Cool. Um, so... So I can even want, people, I can even bore myself if I try hard enough. People want to know <laughs> if I can try hard enough. I can put myself to sleep. Uh, but so the antibody test discussion, and we're back to we don't know. But to flatten the curve, we're trying to minimize the number of people sick at one time so they don't overwhelm the system until we get a vaccine so that we can prime immune systems to fight the pathogen. So, but the area under the curve, we're flattening it, but it's just for a lot longer. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you if you have a hot spot, New York, the the curve went way, way up. But now yeah. you have a whole lot of people who have had the disease. And so the herd immunity has increased. You know, okay. Sweden tried this. There was a big discussion you probably saw mm -hmm. weeks and even months ago now. But Sweden was like, nope, we're not going to do big public health interventions. We're just going to let this thing burn. Yeah. Well, they have a 10 percent fatality rate. Oh. Right. We have a one percent that they, their experiment cause 10 times the fatalities as Denton uh, County. Okay. Right. So yeah. we, these things matter. They right? chose they, poorly. They, 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 <laughs> what is it? Princess as bride. You know, I'm just trying to think of the uh, princess bride remarks, but no, yeah, I, yeah. No, that was from, uh, I'm going to, uh, the Indiana Jones and the last crusade oh, yeah. where he takes the wrong the, one. Yeah. You chose poorly. <laughs> well, what's the one in princess bride where he's passing the goblet. You remember that? And he passes the goblet several times. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think oh, that I'm going to choose it. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, never uh, see. I can just Sicilian when death is on the line. That's, right. <laughs> that's a good movie. That's right. Well, and then, and then he heals over. Now it's puppy and then he kills over. Yeah, see, that's you get the reference. Perfect. Yeah. Um. So Sweden didn't work out. It did not. That's and, crazy. I didn't know. And it was that this it was idea. Like 10 so, times. but it's but it's it's what people say. They're like, well, let's go have a let's go have a COVID party. It's yeah, chicken pox. That. No, no, the COVID parties went oh. poorly in Sweden. And so that that's back to we've got to manage the infections so that we can get the vaccine once yeah. we get the, we're going to get there. And we really are going to get there. It's back to Darwinism, too. I mean, maybe we don't need those folks around. Go have your COVID party. Go do it. If you don't like data, then you Glenn, I don't know what you're talking you about. And I have you no shouldn't survive this. <laughs> I have no official opinion. Uh, well, that's good to hear because you heard that as a strategy. And I think it's good for people to be reminded that. Hey, the, we're not here to make sure no one gets sick. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're not here to make sure no one no one dies. What we're what we're trying to do is get as many people through it okay as possible and you do that by not taxing the the medical system. Right. I, I guess that's it. That's a good way to encapsulate it. Okay. That's, that's good it. to hear because I think, you know, when you get on the Facebook, it's just people get so angry and so wound up that the that the government is here to make sure no one dies. And that's not that's not the goal here. Well, it, it's not a possible goal. Boy, you know? Yeah, there you go. It might. It, it's it's not the reality for sure. Yeah. It's it's our it would be the it would be the goal, but it is unattainable at this yeah. point. We just can't. And, and, and again, I'm. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a community member, I'm a consumer, I have a, you know, I have an IRA. The economy matters to me just like it matters to everybody else. So I, I recognize uh, public health interventions and in their, I recognize their effects. Yeah. 
But I have to say, I think that we need public health to be the voice of science and to be the dispassionate purveyor of the facts so that policymakers can use that information. Yeah. And I think that's our role, yeah. is to be, um, again, to be the megaphone for what's happening, to be as transparent and as upfront, as truthful, as factual, as objective as we can, so that policymakers can take that in context. Mm-hmm. And that's, we have to fulfill our role so policymakers can fulfill theirs. Yeah. So the metaphor I've been using is this. Is it copyrighted? It should be. Okay. It's, Let's go. I'm mostly unoriginal. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like Bob Dylan. I steal from everybody. Perfect. But this is actually late at night, you know, falling asleep to my own podcast. <laughs> I came up with this one. That there's inherent risk in stepping foot outside your door. You, everyone, there's a, there are odds, odds are you're going to die that day, right? Uh, get into your car, the odds increase. But, you know, in the car, we wear a seatbelt. In the car, we have headlights. We make sure the car does everything it needs to do. And so other people are safe. We have airbags. We've done everything we can to stay safe. And we followed all the rules. And that's what makes us okay with getting in the car. Even though we could die in the car, we're still okay with getting in the car and getting on the highway because we've done everything we can. And there's that, there's the feeling and we're all, we're all doing what we, and that's what I, that's what I tell people about the mask is I don't like wearing a seatbelt, but I do. So I don't kill someone when I fly out the window, you know, right. That's, that's the metaphor. Look at it like a seatbelt and just let's get through this, you know? Right. So. That's my metaphor. I'm, I'm, I'm going with it. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, yeah, you can use it too. We then. are going to feed yeah, it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. excellent. No, it's it's also somewhat similar to motorcycle helmets. I recognize that people want the liberty and the freedom to make a choice. Yeah. Um, I recognize that that seems to be a statement sometimes. But the truth is that the helmets are going to save some lives. Yeah. And, and seatbelts are going to save lives. Vaccines, you know, again, my career is littered with legislative testimony about vaccines and and there's just not a way to combat someone who doesn't want to be told even though it will protect them objectively protect them from a communicable or infectious disease most of the diseases which should have been stamped out a hundred years ago but there's just we struggle with that we struggle with taking the science and what we learn um, but as parents, we take our two-year-old in and the two-year-old cries and it's no fun. It's no fun for the two-year-old. It's no fun for us. It's, it's unpleasant. And yet we haven't had to deal with children with polio. We haven't had to deal with losing two of eight of your children at the turn of the century from smallpox. We haven't, we haven't dealt with that. And the reason we haven't dealt with it is it's not here. And, and I, we're going to have the same conversation. So I tell people, Today, we debate masks. Tomorrow, we debate the coronavirus vaccine, right? So we will get the vaccine, and it will be the way to impart herd immunity. It will be the way to not wear facial coverings. It will be the way to get the economy back on track. It will be the way to get on an airplane. And there will be people who scream outside our door about the um, inviolable right of freedom and liberty to not get a vaccine, which would provide them the freedom to fly to New York. Yeah, that's so if you could fix that that, again, is that that the next podcast? I need I need that on the next podcast. The next one. Freedom versus. But that's what's going to happen is the vaccine is going to come out and 
what happens if 50% of the people are like, I'm taking that. Like, sure. Not with this guy as president or yep. not, not with sure. Bill Gates behind it or whatever, whatever they come up with. Matt Richardson's trying to sell vaccine yeah. on the street corner yeah. in Sanger. You know, you just take, you can hear it. So yeah. can we hit herd immunity if only 50% of the population is taking it or I mean, it'll help, but we're back to the curve, help. right? Yeah, yeah. We're back to the curve. It all gets to the curve, but it's, it's now so 50%, but that means half of the, half of the nation is still susceptible yeah. which means you could still have these hot spots there's still sp- oh so the well explain to me what exactly the vaccine does does it give you the antibodies to yeah so let's or, it, it, walk me through what that is the idea um all right here's the analogy it's the usb drive it's the thumb drive so the thumb drive there's a computer program on your thumb drive you put it in your computer you download the program now your computer can work the problem do right? the thing yeah do the thing work the problem so the vaccine is a way to work the problem. You get a vaccine, it primes your immune system. Your immune system is designed to, to identify an invader and then to combat it. And so what you're doing is you're training the, the antibody soldiers on what to look for. You're showing them a picture of the invader. And then their idea is to go attack the invader. That's the idea of the vaccine. Now, it's not perfect. Again, there's no, <laughs> welcome to biology, welcome to mm-hmm. public service, maybe, but there's no perfect answer. And so yeah. um, there are some people's immune systems, mine maybe, I, I began this year with intense radiation for cancer. So my immune system was not going to be able to create antibodies to fight this invader. Now, I think my immune system's improving and I'm healthier and all of a sudden, hey, now maybe the immune system's ready with a vaccine. Hmm. Um, those antibodies and then those special immune cells can attack that pathogen. That's the idea that you're training. Now, um, it might need a booster. So it might become effective for 70%, but you need another uh, vaccine to get it to 90%. Mm. You know, we see that with kids, right? Mumps, measles, rubella, MMR. You mm-hmm. need a booster to make sure that you're protected against measles. Mm-hmm. But you know, a couple of years ago, if you went to if you went to Disneyland and you weren't vaccinated for measles, you were exposed in line. You got the measles. Yeah, and it kills one out of a thousand. That's wild. So that, see, it's wild that we have measles. <laughs> it, it is wild that we have measles. And I people we took care of that. People want to say, ah, oh, you know, I don't need that vaccine. Well, I don't know. Did you go to Disneyland? You know, yeah. you like Disneyland? You like airplanes? Do you like, Ugh. you know, I, it's it's strange. I don't understand the anti-vaxxer thing. I don't get it. As uh, a scientist, I really struggle. And in, in like you say, there's risk. It is not a perfect answer. There are some people that have an adverse reaction. Yeah. Many, many, many fewer of cases of those versus people that are exposed to a disease and die from it. Yeah. So that's the... It's like which... That's which, just the math. Which bad statistic do you want? The really bad one of getting the disease or like the little bad one, you know? Yeah, it's, man, it's a mess. Um, We're solving problems here, Glenn. You know, I think we have. If people just do what we say right now and take the vaccine. Uh, no, it's like, I know I know people on both sides that have whatever reason I'm taking that vaccine. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I can't believe we're already. Well, it is the. As the father of a new baby, so yeah. here we go. Your baby's not going to be able to get the, not going to be able to get the COVID nineteen vaccine. All right, so, so now people with their refusal, but they want to participate in your life with their refusal, they are infringing on your rights and on your baby's rights. I mean, yeah. it's just that yeah. is just the biological truth. Yeah. And how do you deal with that as a parent? How do you deal with that as a community member? Um, how do you deal with that? 
just in general when people assert their freedom, but their freedom infringes upon yours. And this is what, even as someone who who could be thought of as a libertarian, I, I believe in liberty and freedom of choice. I mean, these are things. Now, I do as a public health practitioner try to try to talk about health behavior and the determinants and what it what it means for you. You know, feel free to smoke three packs a day of cigarettes, unfiltered camels in your home. Just recognize, as long as we all agree what the effects of that are. Yeah. Now, if you smoke those at a bar outside your window in downtown, um, that now affects you. Mm-hmm. And so, or it affects as a business owner, the people that work for you, if you don't have a smoking ordinance, you know, what are you doing to your employees? You're exposing them by not enforcing that at your place of business. You're mm-hmm. exposing, those, those are conversations, right? So this, I'm a libertarian, I believe in liberty and freedom, but but it's when it infringes upon others that I think public health steps in. And we have centuries of history. And by the way, it's centuries of success. You know, yeah. again, how many, Polio, how many, how many people, how many yeah. people do you know died of smallpox? Well, the answer is zero. <laughs> yeah, technically zero. You know, it is zero. Um, and, and, that, that, and that's, isn't that the only disease we've completely eradicated? Yeah, or polio, we've come so close. Polio is like We've come so yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it. That's wild. One disease. Okay, let me ask you this. What is your prediction on when that vaccine shows up? Because I've heard four years is roughly the how long it takes to get to get something tested and because that's the thing is you want it sure you you need time to do the trials and all that yeah it's this is the struggle that the fda has this is the struggle that the federal government has governments the who cdc the, the struggle is the race to get a viable vaccine when uh you've got to assure its safety and yet the priority is to get this herd immunity so that's a that's a balance they're going to try to accelerate those studies but you have to make sure that you protect human subjects but but they're going to accelerate all that i've I've seen some conversation from fda this week um talking about they're not going to cut corners but they're going to make it to where you can turn the corner at a pretty high speed right so (laughs) you know they're going to try to eliminate some of the unnecessary bureaucratic barriers and yet protect patient safety and that's i'm hey as a public health practitioner that makes sense to me but it's it's a struggle and I don't have a, I don't have, remember the crystal ball. You asked me a crystal ball question. And I don't, uh, you don't got one. Yours broke. Yeah. It broke at a really bad time, man. It did. <laughs> get, it get, did. Get a warranty man. next time. Okay. I got one more stat question that I'm real. I've been thinking about it. I can't figure this one out. Uh, why has the recovered count kind of stalled out too? Like it slowed down. Yeah, you're, you're not going to like this one. When we talk about transparency, here's the transparent part. Um, we have focused our response when it comes to staffing on investigating active cases. Gotcha. Um, so my epidemiology team, my staff, Denton County Public Health, the people we have retasked for COVID-19 work, uh, we're not doing some of the other work that we need to be doing. Um, immunizations, for instance, you know, we're we're letting the local providers take some of the glut of that because we've mm-hmm. just retasked. So the truth is simple: I don't have near as many staff members calling yeah. existing cases about their recovery status as investigating active cases. And so that recovery, we were just talking about that today. We're going to roll out a text solution. So we're going to text oh, okay. um, and, and ask for recovery status for known cases because we do have their contact information. Um, we're going to be we're going to be 
prioritizing that. I think next week I'm retasking two people to uh, really increase our recovery investigation. Mm -hmm. But honestly, recoveries are interesting, but they are not as important when it comes to the epidemiology of this outbreak and this pandemic. We've got to get to those active cases. And so the, okay. the actives are the priority and the recoveries are when we can get to it. Okay. Um, I know communities are interested in that. Um, the state of Texas does a much different, uh, they have a much different plan. They assume recovery based on time elapse and basically not passing of the disease. So if you don't succumb from it and you go through six weeks and if you're lost to follow up, meaning you don't answer the phone, they're going to make an assumption that you've recovered. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't taken that step yet. We've talked about a much longer sort of an algorithm for that uh, so that we're very conservative. We haven't taken that step, um, but that's on the, that is a possibility where if I can't make enough phone calls right, yeah, uh, yeah. and you don't answer the phone, we're going to assume that you have recovered after a certain amount of time. <laughs> I would assume the opposite. I'd be like, oh, he's not answering yeah. the phone. And I don't know. He's gone. <laughs> that's funny. Um, that's the reason. So th- we've talked a ton about data and the other awesome thing i'm a also big gis data nerd oh so hope you love our maps the maps are amazing okay thank you killer and they're so i love the maps they're great to navigate and they're awesome they get updated every day our our technology service department we i'm so proud of them i'm going to talk about this i don't always talk about it in court because again it's going to geek out so that so few people are interested but Man, we have a link to where we uh, they have created a SQL Server database for us, and now they have programmed SQL. The, yeah. You like that? <laughs> yeah. So they have programmed um, the data link to this GIS software. It's what everyone uses: the ArcGIS, the, the yeah. Esri product. So uh, we have these linkages. So when we update our case counts with a hundred variables. Um, that information it updates concurrently on our website with the maps, the bar charts change, the zip codes change, the county, the, the numbers change, um, so our hospital information changes, our date of onset, symptom onset changes, our case counts change. All of that changes essentially instantaneously when we publish our press release. The Man, the computer guys and gals have done yeoman's work they have just been incredible in this public health response and i would put our website and our gis solutions i'd put that against anybody's yeah it's amazing i'm so, so proud of it. i have nothing to do with it yeah. i, I t- we all as a team talked about visioning and what we wanted to see early on and the technology folks that Ran get no it. kudos they made this happen and i'm we're just so proud of it. Yeah. I'm a big open data mm-hmm. proponent. I've got uh, some tech guys that have done the open data day, Denton and Louisville. Sure. And uh, yeah, this is like open data dream. Just sure. like, like, and the cool thing about that, I don't know. I, 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 we've had some conversations with some commissioners about this, about having that data open to the public to start doing their own projects on this data and coming up with their own kind of solutions. I will say, I will say, here's the caveat and people, this is where the conspiracy theorists feel free to email me at 2 AM. This happens a lot, but, (laughs) but I will say that there is, when we talk about Liberty and we talk about transparency, there is a limit 
And so some of the data we have to protect because now we can start to circle oh, in. Oh, yeah, and, especially health and, data. And dial in got, on you, right? So you, you got have HIPAA, HIPAA. Yeah. You do have the HIPAA provisions. You have the provisions of the Health and Safety Code in Texas. So we are, we're bound by law to protect your personal health information. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that that is equally important to transparency. I don't know that one trumps the other, and I think in different situations that changes. For mm-hmm. instance, Ebola. Do you remember the patient's name in Ebola in 2014? I bet I, you do. I don't. No. If I said the words Michael Duncan, does that ring a bell? I was actually going to say Michael Douglas as a joke, but Michael Duncan, that's interesting. No, that, that doesn't ring a bell at do all. Do you remember the, <laughs> yeah, right. Do you remember the nurse's name? No, I don't. Nina Pham. Does that ring a bell? Does not. Okay. Well, um, it, it, even people across the globe knew her dog's name her dog's name was barkley because they quarantined barkley <laughs> poor barkley so here's an example of can dogs get ebola they can can they they oh, can't so Aww. there was a concern was he exposed did he was Aww. he going to get it and poor so and then more importantly xenotransmission could he transmit it to a to person somebody right? Else, so, yeah. Yeah, all right yeah. again geeking out of virology but yeah the, here's the point but that's the, pretty bad to like to Put this person as like right. patient zero right but here in, or whatever. You know. In instances of public health, we did basically do a national case finding of, did you hang out with Michael Duncan? Yeah. Because we're trying to prevent, right? So we violated someone's personal health information. We to violated their right to lives. privacy yeah. for a larger public health good. Now, here's the deal. You're fine if that's Michael Duncan. You're less fine if it's your five-week-old child. Yeah. Right? You're less fine if people want to pinpoint your address on a map. Yeah. Then it's not it's not fun. It's not interesting. You don't want people to avoid or target your address or your family. Or where you work. Where you or, work. Yeah, How is it job. going to impact your ability yeah. to make money? How does it impact your wife's ability to teach? These like this matters. Yeah, it does. And so when people are mm. on us about transparency and they want to drill, 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 at some point we have to put up the firewall and people will accuse us of hiding something. And the truth is we are, we're hiding your name. We're hiding the name of your loved one. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to protect what is super personal, which could be a death. Um, it could be, you know, a debilitating disease. So again, I use the, everybody says, well, I need the, I need the address of someone with COVID-19. Do you need the address of someone with hep C? Yeah. Hepatitis C is incredibly infectious. Hmm. Do you want to know on your street, on your block, on your census tract, do you want to know who's got hep C? This is, this is the thing. And so we find ourselves in public health being the arbiters of both privacy and transparency. And it's not something we relish, but we take it very seriously. We take it very seriously. That's so, wild. I hadn't thought that deeply about that. Uh, and, and but, you want and again. You want you want to know everything about your neighbors. Yeah. You don't necessarily want your neighbors to know everything about you. Man. Well, what do you think about the idea of the using? This is a whole other conspiracy theory. Using location data off people's phones, so sure. at least you know, hey, you've been in contact with somebody. Sure. Doesn't tell you who or n- no information, but yeah, I think. Right now, that that's going to be, be a tough one for people to swallow. I think that should be voluntary, right? Basically, it's kind of like having an ID badge. You have diabetes, and you wear a you wear a thing around your neck. Right. I've got diabetes in case there's an emergency. Or, yeah. Know. So it it is this idea of an identifier, voluntarily letting people know that there is potential risk. Yeah. Um, 
but in public health, Denton County Public Health, we do not use electronic surveillance data. So Apple, Bill Gates, uh, Tim Cook, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, none of these people send us any information that we use in epidemiology. So we don't, we are not tracking your phone. We don't care that you mm. went to Walmart. We don't know uh, where you. But what do you think about that as a tool yeah, that you so, could use? If, 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 if someone did say, hey, we've got this great tool, you just got to plug into it and it'll give you the heat map and you can go contact people. Yeah. Or I, th- I think it's, I think if it's voluntary, mm-hmm. I think can we can find it. Say, yeah. Okay. If it's an opt in yeah. uh, surveillance tool, I think that's something that could be useful. But I have zero interest in compelling that at this point. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Man. All right. So what is, where can people go? What's the website? How can people find like, you bet. where's the data, all that stuff? It's dentoncounty.gov. And then we have banners all over it, say COVID-19 stats. You click COVID-19 stats and you can quickly follow the rabbit trails of yeah. any statistical information you want. It looks awesome too. I, 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 I went to it before that. we started talking and it got all the things you got to do i mean it's so clear it's like this, oh, is, this is what we're doing that's this is it that's this the, the intent that is the intent i hope more people go to that and get off get Thank off you. facebook people get Boy. off it just hang out with your family amen and amen you know <laughs> what's what what would you say is the biggest challenge you've got ahead of you uh concerning public health in denton i think um COVID-19 is getting, it's the tail wagging the public health dog. There's mm-hmm. no question. I mean, it is the, it is the disease du jour. It is what's happening. It's the crisis. It, we're going to get through it. We're going to get past it. Um, social determinants of health, chronic disease. These are still things that aren't going away. Yeah. They're, they're still happening. People they're, are still, people still they're hidden. The yeah. They're hidden by the mask. They're hidden by the Facebook debates. They're hidden by a 24 seven news cycle, but they're still there. So chronic disease, I think health disparities, health access, these are things that these are things that haven't gone away, and it it's a concern. And we're yeah. going to have to get back to that work. Um, we're just going to have to get back to it. Mm. And I saw on the news a couple of days ago, there's a new H1N1 that's coming around. Always, uh, always. Is it something? Is it something always. we got to look out for, or is it just all right? This is just another. Here's the. Oh my goodness! Right. Tell me when I need to freak People, out. <laughs> I really, I, I really am a fun person. But by the things I talk about, nobody, uh, nobody believes that. I'm really a happy-go-lucky guy. I think I'm even positive sometimes. All right, here we go. So, um, influenza is a highly mutatable virus, and what happens is so many people and so many organisms get the flu. It mutates at an incredible pace. Um, so that's why people say, why do you got to get a flu vaccine every year? Well, because the flu that was circulating the year before, after 35 million people have passed it on to each other, imagine the quadrillions of copies of the virus there were, it changed. Yeah. And once it changes, you need to train your immune system. Remember our USB yeah. analogy. So they're back to the metaphor of, I got to give you the update. Right, so the program has changed. I got to send you the USB for the update to plug in the computer. We got to update the immune system. Um, so that's that's the flu. That's this idea of mutation. So when you talk about the emerging threats, flu is always a big ticket item. There was the pandemic influenza, Spanish flu. They called it in the early uh, 1918, 1917, 1918. Um, that that was really 
the globe's first introduction from an information standpoint where we could track the loss of life. Um, it happened with the bubonic plague. It happened with Black Death. You know, we know these these incidental things, but we have the writings of them, but we don't have this the scientific the data, data yeah. like we do with 1918. And from then on, we have seen these pandemic influenzas. It's easy to give to someone else. Respiratory diseases are always the most dangerous. Um, the breathing, the sneezing, the coughing, always the most dangerous. And so we're, we're always concerned about the flu because it can hit you so hard so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's just the difference, and so that remains that remains a threat. So the new one, the new H one N one, is whatever. It's just don't know, don't uh, know. We don't, we don't know. Uh, but I can promise uh, you that we'll track it. What do you know about murder hornets? <laughs> murder. I know from just the word. And, and why is it that every picture you see is inflated like thirty or forty times the it's like this big? Yeah, it's the size of a turkey vulture. I don't oh, know man. what a mur- I don't know how a hornet can grow the size of a small Labrador retriever. But twenty twenty, hell of a year, and we're only halfway through it. That's what that's what's amazing I, about it. I'm telling you, this is only you, half a year we've experienced. It really is. I, I think I sent a text to someone today that just said, "Where are we right now?" I don't think I don't think all of us recognize. Yeah, I think it's a great time places. to be alive. It's like. What are to to have challenges in front of you? Give it give me life. Like it makes me like I'm working out a lot more right now because I heard, you know, people in good health. With I'm like, well, I was gonna I can do that. I was gonna say something, but I just uh, I wasn't sure. Um, No, it's my my yeah, my twelve year old. She uh, she told me last night we were sitting uh, outside and. I don't know why we were sitting outside because I think I got bit by three mosquitoes, so I didn't follow some good public health advice. But we're outside, and she said she said the most interesting thing. Maybe just dads get soft about these things, but he, she said, "You know how you always wonder in life what's going to be defining moments." This is from a twelve-year-old. She goes, "I guess this is it, right?" And I said, "I guess I don't I don't know if it is or not. It's hard to know, but this feels like the defining moment." And we made the joke of, "Well, we thought Australian wildfires, you know, in January were going to be the defining moment, but turns out that's not even on the radar." Not even 2020, on the radar. but she yeah. did say the from the mouths of babes, but this idea of, "Is this my defining moment of my childhood?" You know, I'm 12 and this is it. And I'm like, "It eh, may be." That's a smart kid. That's yeah, a, I think that's, you know, uh, that's pretty introspective. Her and, mother is insightful and intelligent, and uh, <laughs> so her dad, her dad's from Oklahoma and lucky to have teeth and shoes. Maybe I don't uh, know. But, poor guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming. This is hey, been, welcome. This has been incredible. This is nah, gonna, this know. is going to be a, a a very popular <laughs> episode because it's people. It's stuff that people have just wanted to ask, and people are asking and don't sure. know. And I'm like, we're going to get the guy in we're here. We're going to so, we're going to do it. So thank you so much for I appreciate time. your time. Thanks for having me. All right, that's it, Matt Richardson, the Denton County Health Director. I got to jump on a Zoom call now. And then I'm going to start my extended July 4th weekend with little Dylan and Alyssa and Allie. Can't wait. See you next time.